0: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, fasten your seatbelts for a roller coaster ride through the hearts, minds, loves, hates, thoughts, fears, hopes, and dreams of Irish adolescents. And prepare to be amazed. Dear Grich, August Fulcher, Good Telling Tales, I'm Emma Lorenz.
1: And I'm Brandon Crook.
2: And we'll be presenting today's programme.
1: Another busy day here in the Near FM radio studio with plenty of your stories and poems to get through.
2: And as always, there's lots of top quality
3: works to choose from.
1: So let's get started. Our first story this week comes in from Skull LaSalle.
3: The Victimised Dancer by Lisa Lucky. In a tiny and unknown town that not many well-beings know about, lived a girl... With the strong passion for dancing her name was alice rodriguez she attended body prep high school downtown alice was 14. someone that young is supposed to be in a nice and safe community wrong she and her family lived in a crusty warehouse on the other side of town in a bad neighborhood she wasn't exactly blessed with a lucky life though she had one brother and her father when she was four years old Her mother had walked out on the family because she was furious about a fight she just had with her father. But what they never knew was that it would be the last time they would ever see her. Alice has been verbally and physically bullied throughout the school. She had been sadly cursed with the labels homeless and worthless. People around the school dared to call her that because people were just cruel like that. Imagine walking through the entrance of the school and everyone looked at you like you were worthless, like not even to matter anymore and maybe try to do stuff to harm yourself. There was nothing mentally wrong with her, trust me, and all the doctors she had been to. People like this might take it too far because they don't have a friend to keep them on track, but that was her best friend, Sabrina's job. She was a blonde with the prettiest green eyes that shone like a golden mirror. Luckily, she had been a best friend to accompany her through this hard and painful journey. She was one year older than Alice. Alice had dark, pitch black hair and perfectly matching devious chocolate and brown eyes. What makes a best friend? Someone who is there for you through thick and thin, at your best and worst. That's what makes a best friend. It doesn't matter about the duration of your friendship. It's who came into your life and never left. That's what makes Sabrina so special for Alice. She made her feel like she meant something to the world. It was 11 in the morning and she, Alice, was looking in her school locker for a book she needed to look through for her project. Victoria walked deviously toward her with no fear hanging down her shoulders. She shut Alice's locker while her face was still in it. Alice jumped with the slightest fright. Hey loser, Victoria said with attitude. Her posse laughed right behind her. Alice walked away feeling defeated and worthless. One single tear ran down her numb and rosy cheeks as she didn't want to go to that dark place of hers again. She sprinted to her English class, trying not to cry out loud. She sat in her seat with her face looking sad and blue. Suddenly, an announcement was made over the intercom. Good morning students, the principal said in a jolly voice. Alice was too oblivious to listen while replaying the scenario that just happened with Victoria. You might be wondering why this random girl would have ruined half of Alice's day. Around the time before their walk into adulthood, believe it or not, Alice and Victoria were best friends. Slowly, Victoria started to gain popularity and it went straight to her head. Alice stayed up for numerous nights wondering what she had done so wrong to deserve a friend who would have dumped her anyway because, obviously, popularity meant more to Victoria than her and Alice's friendship. Back to the story. That announcement was made about a producer coming to their school and looking for dancers for a backup segment for a high quality TV show. Alice arrived at school on Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning. She was in her dancing gear and was anxious about her audition. She didn't know what to expect because she believes in the saying, the best things in life are unexpected. But to be honest, she was really determined to wow the judges with her hidden talents. She felt as if the judges could hear the tempos to her heartbeat as soon as she started prancing up and down on stage. Luckily, she got through the routine without messing up but had a disoriented expression on her face while doing it. Also, she managed to get a standing ovation from the producer himself. She ran backstage with a smile on her face as she wound past the other contestants, but guess what? Victoria was part of the contestants line. Alice ran out of the school as fast as she could and then Victoria ran behind her yelling, This isn't over. It was five o'clock in the morning and Victoria wasn't out for smiles, but she was hungry for revenge. She grabbed a skateboard from her brother's room and stole her dad's car. She arrived to the front of Alice's house, picked the lock and got inside. She ran towards the staircase and left the skateboard there, hoping Alice would slip on it, and it happened. Around 7am, Alice was half asleep walking down the stairs for some water because she was parched, and boom, crash. What was to become of Alice now? She woke up in a hospital room, and all she could hear was beep, beep, beep. Of the heart rate machine she patted her head while wondering what had happened she had no memory of the accident which was worrying for her father as soon as alice woke up she turned her head and she found her father slouching in a chair sleeping there were the marks of dry tears around his pink and volume filled cheeks he was exhausted through all he went through to make sure alice was in good hands after this random and mysterious accident her father slowly opened his eyes from his 20 minutes' slumber and light shone in his eyes as soon as he saw Alice awake and still breathing. I'm going to find out who did this to you. This was no accident. Alice's father said with a tearful sigh while holding her hand tightly. She dozed off. She woke up two hours later with the doctor talking above her saying she has a nerve damage and there is a slight possibility that she won't be able to use her ankles properly again. What? Alice said as she woke up. The doctor and Alice's father jumped with this life fright three months later. Alice now teaches a choreography class. She would have been a dancer but sadly she never recovered. She has her own empire and is getting paid thousands a day to teach young dreamers how to dance. Victoria got caught by CCTV and would have faced the punishment of jail but she was too young. Instead, she had to do six months of community service to make up the time. By the way, my name is Alice and I'm the girl in the story. I just used this story in third-person narration to avoid reconnecting with those horrible times. I'm happy I got to share my story with everyone. That was really interesting. It's always worth your while to have a plan B.
1: Yeah, and good friends to help you through. Our next story comes from the Donaghy's Community School.
4: Fear by Saoirse Flynn. I have lots of fears. I am afraid of spiders. I don't know why. Is it their long, quick legs? Is it their speckled eyes? Maybe it's the close up of their ugly hairy backs or the thought that loads of them crawl into your mouth while they're sleeping. Either way, I just don't know if one comes near me, I'm screeching, then I'm gone. People say they're more afraid of you, but I doubt it. I really doubt it. Then there's the dark. I blame my mom for this one. Well, her and my brother. My mom was always afraid of the dark, so she always had the light on at night. So I guess I always felt that the darkness was a bad thing. Then my brother. Oh, my brother, he told me so many horrific ghost stories when I was a kid that he made me petrified. From the clown under my bed to the dolls that sat around it. He had a tale about each of them. So now, when the lights go out, all I can think about it is the scary creatures hanging around my room. Lastly, it's the principal's office. I mean, no one likes being called to the principal's office, even if it's for a good thing. Your heart just be racing, you can feel it in your mouth. You think about all the things you've done wrong and straight away you feel sorry for doing them. You regret it and fear. The thing about my fear is that they make me unique. I am unique.
1: Do you have any fears, Emer?
4: My philosophy is there's nothing
2: to fear but fear itself. But I suppose we all have our fears.
1: Fear is good, keeps us on our toes.
2: That's true. I think we'll go over to our poet's corner.
0: Thanks, Yamur. Our first poem today comes in from Merrifield College. The Moon by Julia Grizzler. What do you see in the shadowy sky, making you wish that it was close by? It was bright as your mind at night, making you feel like a philosopher without sight. The beautiful stars by its side making you dream you have nothing to hide. Your glistening eyes lay upon its shape, making you keep it at stake. The midnight sky not the same without it, making you fall in love without knowing about it, making you wonder how, when, what for? It's the moment that makes us want to know more.
5: Try Me by Elysias, yes. St. Mary's Holy Faith Secondary School Cluster. When life puts you in tough situations, don't say why me, just say try me. I hear you're a brilliant poet, Ema.
2: I love writing, I've always found it enjoyable and it can be quite relaxing as well. Enough about me, back to work for us both.
1: Great stuff, our next story comes in from Chanel College.
6: Infinity by Kevin Ellison, read by Lawrence Gork. This is the video log of Dr. Charles. Saturday, 25th, May. 2250. One month into the project, the objective of our work is quite simple. To save the world. About 10 months ago our solar perimeter was breached. The perpetrators are a race of previously unknown to us. We call them Prometheans, after the Greek god of fire. As one human world, after another falls, Earth remains all we have left. Fortunately, we have been able to hold the enemy at bay, but we cannot hold them off forever. I fear that if we do not find a solution soon, Earth 2 will fall victim to the terror of the rootless tyranny. Sunday 26th of May 2250 My knowledge of the Promethean is scant, it seems that our attackers have a similar anatomy to our own, the only major difference being their height. They average 8 foot tall and can flip cars with ease. Monday 27th May 2250 the only people who may hold the key to our survival are a race not seen on Earth for 4,000 years. Spartans were once feared and mighty warriors. They were tall, strong, fast and intelligent. The ultimate soldiers. They may prove the solution if only I can harvest the right DNA. Tuesday 25th June 2250 After weeks of unsuccessful trials and bitter disappointments, I'm relieved to report that today I met with the Spartan who made decide our fate in the war. This is a recording from earlier today. Doctor, we're ready. Okay, wake him up. Spartan One, wake up. Wake up. Spartan One gasped for a breath. Doctor, his vitals are stable. Good, then let's zoom him up. We don't have much time. He must join the Marines in protecting the base. The attack is imminent. Spartan One, insert the chip into the slot on your helm. This is an AI. If you look after her, she will look after you. She will also handle the technical aspects of our operation. Spartan One inserted the chip. Hello Spartan One, my name is Alex. Sorry to cut our meeting short, but I'm getting attack readings from all over the base. He nodded his assent. I never heard him speak. Wednesday 26th of June 2250. Spartan One has saved the base from being overrun, defeating the hordes of enemies bearing down on the ship. Unfortunately, an enemy grenade opened a slip space portal to the enemy ship. Spartan 1 has found a large number of soldiers have been captured and are being held in a cage. The captain of the ship is a merciless demon and has set up a gladiatorial arena. Luckily we have been able to continue contact with Spartan 1 through Alex. Friday 28 June 2250. From what Spartan 1 has discovered, it appears that the leader of the Promethean flee has declared an open challenge to the greatest fighter among the captured humans. This may be used to our advantage. The Prometheans see their leader as a godlike figure. If he falls, the Prometheans will leave and never return. Saturday 29th of June 2250 As suspected, Spartan 1 has been sent straight into the arena. He must first face 10 of the best Promethean fighters. Only if he can remain undefeated and alive, will he be permitted to challenge the Promethean leader. Sunday 30th of June 2250 The final battle. The leader of the Prometheans stepped down to face Spartan 1. As he strolled onto the arena, Spartan 1 sent a signal to Alex. I gave the order and Shellfire rained down, reducing the arena to a rubble. Friday 5th of July 2250 the body of Spartan One has yet to be recovered. It is unlikely any trace of him remains, but thanks to him, Earth has been saved. That would make a great movie.
2: It would. Back to the Poets' Corner, with a few more poems lined up for us.
0: I have a poem for St. Aidan's CBS, and I think it's a sentiment we'll all agree with. Fridays, by Alex Kulski. I can't wait for Fridays. They are so much fun. No school in the morning. The weekend has begun.
5: You're right, Nilla. We would all agree with that. St. Mary's Holy Faith Secondary School Chalester brings this beautiful little poem. Butterflies by Ellie Wilson. Butterflies are beautiful, creatures of the wild, colourful and bright, fluttering in the skies. So softly flutter by to brighten up your day and make the world a more colourful place to play while they dance their day's way.
2: We all need something to brighten up our day. This next poem comes from the Donahue's community skill and brings to the dark side. The road ahead was dark. The road ahead was dark. Not a single light to be seen, look up and look down, no lights for the road to shine. The dark road just lay there waiting for someone to come, but no one came. No cars, nobody, just a sad old road waiting for some light. If someone walked to me, that would make my day. But no one seems to like me because I am too bumpy. I am useless.
1: We have an astonishing amount of poems in.
2: Yeah, and they're on a really diverse range of topics.
1: Right, back to our stories. This story comes in from Our Lady of Mercy College, Beaumont.
7: A mask Show by Kira Fallon. People have different eyes different colours, different genetics, different everything. People also see life differently too. They see what they want to see, as if everything is just new to them. What people don't see are masks. Masks are associated with coverage and are created to show a different face. They cover whoever is wearing it and we tend to judge people on what we see, not what is underneath. Every day we see masks we don't even realise. It could be the happiest person you know, but don't be fooled, it may be a mask. We can seek examples of this in school, when someone tries to show their true feelings to others, or if someone is being bullied. Everyone puts on a brave face, but feel hopeless and weak on the inside. Every minute, second, day, someone struggles, whether it is with a question or with their thoughts. We call these depression, disorders, family problems, or just problems in general. Everyone struggles with overthinking and sadness and find it difficult to control. And masks hide that we may be struggling. We think it protects us in some way, is easier, but prevent us from getting help. Wearing a mask means faking and using false emotions. You could be struggling with a subject in school because you're not paying attention, you're thinking about your problems. People struggle with getting back on track with their daily lives because everything always changes. Topics change, news changes, people change. It can be very difficult to catch up because you've missed out on what is happening by being distracted. When you wear a mask, your mind goes into lockdown. You don't know what to feel or why you feel it. You constantly battle with your thoughts. You often forget what is on the outside world and struggle to keep up with your life. What I'm saying is this. Look past the show a person puts on. Make them try to trust you and confide to you. Don't be too quick to judge. Try to see beyond the mask. A simple, how are you feeling or what are you thinking about can change a person's way of thinking and feeling. People are often afraid that others wouldn't understand their feelings but that doesn't matter. Listen to them, don't judge them or make them feel stupid. Even if you don't understand them, try to respect the fact that you are seeing behind the mask.
2: Some people are afraid to be themselves. I suppose it's all part of growing up.
1: And at the end of the day, we're all truly unique.
2: That's what makes the world interesting. A story from St Aidan's CBS is up next.
8: It was going to be the best weekend ever, by Kieran Wilson. My name is Nicholas and I am 12 years old. My family includes my dad, my mom and my sister. I love my family because they always care for me and I I have fun with them. We are settled in Yorkshire, England. One day, after I came from school, my parents had a surprise to tell me. They said we are going to Disneyland in Paris this weekend. I was so chuffed to hear that and so was my sister. Even though I thought it was a bit childish, I still thought it would be great crack. We are going in an aeroplane to Paris and that made me even happier because I never went by plane anywhere. It was Friday night and I just finished brushing my teeth. I was thinking only about Disneyland and what we will do there. We had to wake up at 5 in the morning because the flight took off at 7. I had no sleep that night because I was way too excited about tomorrow. I could feel butterflies in my tummy, that is also why I had no sleep. After that long night, I finally woke up from bed and done all my morning routines and got ready to go. We reached the airport only at half six, so we were in a hurry. We went through the checking as fast as possible and got into the plane at three to seven. It was a luxurious plane on the inside, mainly because we were in a business class. Every seat had a screen on it for entertainment. I did not see really why we needed it because the flight journey was only two hours. While an air hostess was giving me a glass of coke, we all heard a loud screech from the engine. The air hostess told me to fasten my belt, which I already had done. After a while, the pilot said through the intercom what had happened. We were all shocked. He said that something went to the engine and we were all going to crash into the sea. At that moment, I was just crying. I thought I would never see my beloved family ever again. Everyone had to wear life jackets and oxygen masks and stay secure. The pilot said they had ordered a lot of lifeboats to save us. It was 15 to 9 and we are going to crash into the sea in 15 minutes. I was trying to remember all the nice things that happened to me in my short life. I heard the wheels of the plane going down and then splash. I thought I was in heaven but after a few seconds I noticed that we were all floating on the water. I saw that everyone in the plane was safe and sound including my family. I rejoiced because I actually survived. Everyone had to jump into lifeboats and float all the way to a large ship which was 10 hours long. I slept most of that journey peacefully. I woke up and waited for around an hour and then we finally reached home. My family all just sat down in the sitting room for half an hour and then we all blessed ourselves and prayed. We thanked God for what had happened. After that we ate our dinner and realised we all forgot about Disneyland. Then we decided that we will go next weekend. And not by plane this time, but by train and car. After dinner, I went to sleep thinking that I will have no sleep. But I had a beautiful sleep. I woke up thinking that all this was a dream. Then I went downstairs to watch some news and saw the plane that I travelled on floating on the water. The news reporter said that a bird went into the engine which caused the plane to crash into the sea. And everyone on board survived. I thank God. Then she called out all the names of the survivors and I was called out. I was so overwhelmed. And this is how it was the best weekend ever.
1: It's time to go back to our Poets' Corner for our last batch of poems for today.
2: Thanks, Brandon. As it happens, our next poem comes from your school.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got angry. I got jealous and protective when everyone stared. I'm sorry I wasted our moments when it didn't feel like it. Now you're gone. I tried. Oh, God, I tried so hard. Now here I am, heartbroken and alone. i leave this to you, whoever might read. I've finally gotten over it, sown a new seed. Thank you for everything, I'll never forget. Although with you, there are some things I regret. Goodbye, my friend. Maybe it was time for things to finally end. Sadly, we've come to our last poem of the day, and it's on a topic that's very dear to all of our hearts. Losing a friend. Bye, so you're ready. St. Mary's Holy Faith Secondary School, Kilester. She's not there in the morning to greet me when I wake up. She's usually wagging her tail, her tongue hanging out. She's all excited to see me and needing to go out for a wee. When having your dinner, she's looking at you with her big puppy dog eyes, the flowers soaking wet with withdrawal. Now when I finish eating, she's not there to give the leftovers to or drink the end of our tea. You're done, she loved tea. When you're down or upset, she kneels. She would sit on top of me licking me, wagging her tail, wanting me to play with her. That was her way of cheering me up or comforting me. I would cuddle her like she was a baby. She was the baby, a big baby. She would sleep beside me on my bed. She would always be touching me. She would lie against me or at my feet. Come home from school knowing she won't be there to greet me at the door is hard. Even walking to the garden and not seeing her looking out the window for me or my mom the moment she spots us. The excitement on her face puts a huge smile on my face. When I'm home alone and the house is so quiet I still listen out for her. The noise of her footsteps around the house or hearing her groan. At any dog dares walk into her garden. I'm heartbroken that I lost my best friend. I loved her so much. House is now so empty, lonely and too quiet now that she's gone. She wasn't a pet to me. She was a friend, a member of my family. She was the best boxer anyone could ask for. Now she is in peace, a better place, and in no pain. Love you, Cleo.
1: Pets are great. They never judge you and accept you for what you are. Do you have a dog, Emer?
2: I'm allergic to dogs, but I do have fish.
1: What was your fish called? Kevin. Do you have any more fish other than Kevin?
2: I do. I have Pickle, Fluffy, and Nibbles.
1: They're unique names for fish.
2: Now, ladies and gentlemen, today's feature story is by Ruth Colbert from Manor House.
1: Ruth is a relative of Con Colbert, the Irish rebel who took part in the 1916 Easter Horizon and was shot by firing squad in Kilmainham Jail, Dublin, on 8 May
9: 1916. McCangle, Parson and Mock. La Ruth Calbert. Ruth Calbert is Anam dum, August is er skyld mig, at han Calbert. Kluscheret er sandem radio, når det tracta ervoher trakter, er vo hør Calbert, Is a Uncle Mayado a, August det Port, jeg mig over, snakker du i retshånden a, og det kører kun bare jeg, i præsune kælvainen. Brogu khan, limnig, Vice in a coni er air arum, vice a star nura vice aug. con gabai Ahaklia nura vice cuig plinadish, mar via drifor in a coni aun, nura via ejacus creek naha firste post imacus mar cleric. Bival a con den ior b fina Aeron, august auglig nherin, Fiche cordial lapodrick mac parish, aeman cant august thomas o cleric, duere Hug Padrick MacPirish on Gallan Captain Colbert Eyre. Marisoldit, Husig Iri Mac Nakaska er on gahru is isfiha de v Abron de lune a v aun. a Khan eg Watkins Bewery, August Bone Lane. Donche aun eg tridiot, Gouverche ordu of Padrick MacPyrish, gaeloo don navage. Harleche shin er an sahern. Shockedin in a Kuru con August crede no nacred, Garu Pinos and Vasher. Kuniac e Brusun Kilvainan e. Nevershe in Cortri, Oxcriche litrica da Hilak. Taga kyan dena litrica egmayado Fuilahir Eran octu la de Veltana, nide shedeg, Kuru conbash e con. Ashan Houston, a munkyant, Mihal Malin. Hulse amok, a kahuk pukin. Yas shay oscor on squad lavig. August Karu Kambashe, Ni Revshe Akh Shakt Melina Isfahadish. Sala eta inu own, Ta Trainok Elimnak, Anamnaha in a owner. Ta Lact Do, Agus Severch Ella, Erdrahud, Ilimnak Freshen. Himalya Ahaklia, Ta Boher Anamnaha in a yia. Ta Quid Ta Helf Parsenta, Savuzame, Akil Fainon. Kabmala Shin, Ta Fui, Sisra, Sheva Hadeg. Ta goctin ima hilak fane, misha sonoriv. Far ogavi aun, Akni ni fejalati kenu kroga A freshen. Ta a fos so muchuefしか- in ar glan, ik shias, treet Kana ta ermayado, ma uncle, august mkul kafir Isoga.
1: Unfortunately, that's all we have for you today. I hope we got to your story or poem. If we didn't, better look next week.
2: Don't forget to check out the Near FM website for full details on the programme. And of course, you can download a podcast of this programme.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's programme.
2: And we'll join us at the same time next week on Telling Tales, broadcast here on Near FM.
5: Today's Telling Tales programme was produced by Enda M. Roach. Our BC is Mela Rodriguez and the series is a Pearlman Media production for Near FM.
1: So from myself, Brandon Crook
2: and myself, Ian Lorenz.
1: Until next, next week, Slong
4: This programme was made with the support of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland.